Well, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to give you one guess to guess what text we're going to be looking at today. I think you can do this. If you were going to guess what, what chapter of the Bible I'm going to preach from today, what chapter do you think that would be? Luke, I heard Luke chapter 2 from my son Luke. So you win the prize today. We'll go to Krispy Kreme before church and get a donut. Oh, wait, we already did. So awesome. It's that kind of day. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Where else would we be? on the first Sunday after Christmas. So I invite you to get your Bibles and, and turn there, and we're going to look at this familiar story. The Christmas story is a story that exposes a, a lot, of, um, a lot of, uh, of just common human experiences. It, it brings a lot of common human experiences together. Um, this, this sort of snapped into focus for me uh, during the Advent season, at some point, I gathered with my family, and we began to read uh, Luke chapter 1, and there's all kinds of things happening in Luke chapter 1. A lot of them are biological. A lot of them have to do with, with how humans um, get to this earth, how humans um, are created, and how they are made, and um, there's a lot of biology going on. In, in Luke chapter 1, we have a woman who's barren, who's suddenly able to have a baby. Her name's Elizabeth. How in the world does that happen? And then we have a woman who's never been married and has never known a man in the biblical sense, and she is going to have a baby. And so there's, boy, lots of questions about how all of these things kind of come together and we just, we just had an evening where we diverged from the Advent lesson and we just started talking about all kinds of stuff. And it was a very helpful, important family conversation. Um, and uh, I thought, man, how did we get here? We sat down to light an Advent candle and we're talking about biology and all kinds of fun stuff. But the Christmas story, and I got to keep in mind, this is a family Sunday. The Christmas story is, is, about, is about a woman giving birth to a baby, and we romanticize that in our nativity scenes. You probably have them somewhere in your house. There's Mary, and there's Joseph, and, and there's sweet baby Jesus in the manger. But I've been present for two live births, and I, I can just tell you that uh, it's, a, it's a traumatic experience. It is a crazy experience. It's a, it's a wild experience, and I wasn't the one giving birth. I was just the spectator. Um, and, and so as much as we romanticize this moment in which God came into the world in the form of a baby, there's a lot of human stuff going on there. And there's just some real, just human stuff. A, a, another reminder of, just another reminder of the, the incarnation. This, this, this belief that we have, we talked about it two weeks ago when we looked at John chapter 1, this belief that we have that God became flesh. And it did remind me of, of, of you know, the, the first time I was able to experience that and, and when Paul was born, like most new parents preparing to welcome a baby into the world, we went to certain classes and we read certain books and we got resources because we had never done this before. And we wanted to, wanted to be as prepared as we possibly could. 
And so we had what is commonly called a birth plan, okay? And we, we had a, a, a route to the hospital, and we had things that we were doing ahead of time so that we could be ready when that time came. And um, I was a youth pastor at the time. We had church on Wednesday night, um, and, uh, you know, I got home from church on Wednesday night, and Lauren said, you know, I think it's time you pack that bag, that overnight bag that you're going to need when it's time, you know, for us to go to the hospital. I said, oh, I'm just so tired. I just don't want to do that right now, and I'll do it later. And she said, okay, I'm just telling you. I feel like it could be any moment now. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I just, I just want to go to sleep. I'm tired, and, you know, um, you know, I'm telling this to the woman who's nine months plus pregnant about how tired I was. Um, and, and, and so we went to bed, and about 30 minutes after turning the light off, uh, Lauren's water broke. And uh, just chaos ensued. Get in the car! Call the hospital! And so um, we're getting ready, and, and um, we're, we're just... Nothing is going according to the birth plan, Okay? Nothing is going according to the birth plan. In fact, uh, I, had no, I had no bag packed. I wasn't ready for this moment. And so in addition to getting the car cranked up and getting all the Lauren stuff in there, I'm throwing whatever I can into a bag, and we're rushing off to the hospital. And um, we drive as fast and as safely as possible, some con combination of those things. And we get to the hospital, and I rush into the emergency room. My wife's going to have a baby. And, uh, of course, the nurses, you know, they do this literally every day. They weren't near as concerned as I was. And they come out, where's your wife? Okay, sir, we'll take care of it. Um, and there's more to this story. Um, Paul would not make his appearance for about eh, 16 hours later. And I'll let Lauren tell uh, all of that because um, she earned that badge and it's not my right to, to, talk, to tell that story. Um, but I, I say all that to say, when we sing a Christmas carol that has this line in it, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he made. I'm telling you, I've been there when babies are born. They cry. It's crazy. It's chaos. It's, it's messy. It, 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 women tell me there's a lot of pain involved. It's just this very human experience that is lost somewhere in our Christmas story. And we have this detail of these shepherds coming. This woman has just given birth with all the craziness that goes along with giving birth. And, and what is it that you want to do when you've given birth in a stable with donkeys and livestock all around you? What is it that you want to do? You want to greet visitors, don't you? Oh, I'm so glad these strangers from these fields nearby have come by to see me in all of my after-giving-birthness and... They tell me this story of angels appearing to them, so I guess I have to let them in. But I think Mary, well, what do you think Mary was really thinking? You know, I, I, I think probably what she would have said is, you know, unless somebody here can help me with nursing, get out, okay? I have a job to do right now. 
I have a job to do. I, I, I have given birth to this baby boy, and I, ha- I am in charge of his welfare. I would say two things to you. Jesus did cry. It's not in the text. We just know it. He made a lot of crying. He had to have. Babies come out and they're hungry. And then there may have been some moments where it was silent, but for the most part, it was probably a not-so-silent night. Craziness. All this craziness is going on. And I want to get to this this verse that Luke gives us. I, I just want you to think about all the craziness of giving birth to your firstborn son. And Luke does tell us this. that In the midst of all that, Here's what we see, verse 17. When they had seen him, when the shepherds had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then here's the line. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them. Like Mary had this moment to to treasure what had happened, to think about not only the euphoria of giving birth to her firstborn son and and being so proud and overjoyed with this new life that was now entrusted to her, to hold in your hands the fulfillment of a promise that was given to you by an angel. What a, a special moment that must have been. And so she had this moment to reflect and to treasure what had happened, and to ponder the significance of this moment. There's a a song that's very common, and you've probably heard it. It's written by a guy named Mark Lowry, and the song's called Mary Did You Know? And I I just want to say for the record, I love this song. I think it's a great song. It, It asks nine basic questions. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Mary, did you know? And it asks a series of questions. And the song has come under scrutiny uh, over the last few years because Christians can't seem to agree on anything. Um, I know this will surprise you, but sometimes Christians bicker over small things. And, And so the song has come under, I mean, not here. We don't do that here. But uh, Christians sometimes don't see eye to eye on things. And so the songs come under scrutiny recently because there's a group of people say, well, of course Mary knew. An angel told her. An angel told her. And so, of course, she, she knew these things. But I, I began to work through the nine questions in the song. And what I, what I sort of discovered is that Mary knew some things about the significance of her baby boy but she didn't know everything. Yes, an angel told her. Yes, an angel said this is going to be the Son of God, and God is going to save the world through your baby boy. Yes, Mary knew that he would one day rule the nations. She even sung about it. We looked at that last week in her song, The Magnificat. And so there are some things that Mary knew about her baby boy, but she didn't know everything. And it's a really clear example of our journey of faith. You know, friends, there are, there are things that we know to be true. There are things that God has revealed to us. He's given us promises. He, he's, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. 
I will be with you in everything that you go through. And so we have that promise. We have that assurance. And so we know that, but that's not to say that we know all the details of the future. Mary couldn't possibly have known that what it meant to be the Son of God in the flesh meant that you could walk on water. You could calm the storm. You could calm the wind and the waves. Mary certainly imagined her baby boy doing special things, but she couldn't have had the details of he could give sight to the blind and he could make the lame walk and he could make those who aren't able to hear to be able to hear again. She couldn't have possibly known all the details of what it meant to hold in her arms the sinless son of God who would accomplish the redemption of the world. What she did know is this, that God can be trusted. And I I think that's the point of of Mary's role in the story, is that at every turn, she trusted God. And, And think about all the different situations that she faced. I mean, Probably half of us in the room understand what it's like to give birth for the first time. The other half of us will never have that experience. But but that's a new experience. But not, not only did Mary trust God in this new experience of giving birth for the first time, but she trusted God in the miraculous nature of her birth story and, and giving birth to Jesus. And at every turn... She trusted God. And I'm convinced that that one of the things that she contemplated in this moment where the the shepherds returned to their fields, Joseph dozed off for a little nap, Jesus, with his belly full of milk, finally went to sleep. The cattle, they stopped rustling around. The sheep settled down. And moms, you know, she probably had about 15 minutes she, had, she probably had about 15 minutes to ponder, to treasure, to, to think. And one of the things that I'm convinced that she thought about was how her life was now bound to a story that was so much bigger than her own. She recognized God's claim on her life. And in this moment where she pondered and she, she treasured these things in her heart, she, she realized that that God was using her to accomplish a mission that was so much bigger than her imagination. It was so much bigger than anything that she could plan or orchestrate on her own. She was part of something God was doing. And so she took this moment and she treasured it in her heart and she pondered it and she thought about God's presence in her life. And I want to ask us this morning what your Christmas has been like. What, what, what moments have you had in the last 24 hours to ponder, to think, to treasure things in your heart? Um, I imagine your morning was not so silent. If you have young children at home, I bet your morning was not so silent. What time did your morning start yesterday? Was it 4 a.m.? Was it 5 a.m.? I know how those mornings used to go uh, at, at my house. It was not very silent 
you know, around 4 or 5 a.m. So we discovered, we discovered NyQuil on Christmas Eve. <laughs> it's awesome, guys. It's awesome. You really need to try this. You really need to try this. And then when they get a little bit bigger, they can graduate to Tylenol PM. Okay? I'm, I'm just... I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not a medical professional. I'm just trying to make Christmas merry and bright. But, but I imagine you had a not-so-silent morning yesterday as gifts were torn into and all the, the chaos ensued that accompanies our Christmas morning. But at what point did you sit down and have your second, maybe your third cup of coffee and Maybe the kids or the grandkids were off playing with whatever they had been given. And at what point did you ponder or did you think or did you treasure? At what point did you take a moment to treasure this, this Christmas morning? I had a few moments yesterday to, to just treasure the experience, to just treasure this opportunity that I had to, to, be, with, uh, to be with my family and, and I had a great day yesterday. I, I, I hope you did as well, but I, I just want to stand before you and say, I feel like I'm, I'm the most blessed man alive. I just, I can't think of being just more blessed this morning to, to have a great Christmas morning, to have friends over later in the day, to, to play basketball on our new basketball hoop, and to just enjoy a day together as a family. And... Um, it was yesterday evening, actually last night, yeah, I was preparing for this moment that we had together, and, and I was pondering, and I was treasuring some things, and, and in our house is a picture of, of Lauren and I on our wedding day, and, and we celebrated 20 years of marriage this year, and um, I was thinking about the two kids in that picture, and they do look like kids, um, Lauren looks the same. I look a lot different. Um, but I was thinking about th the two kids in that picture, and I was trying to, re I remember when that photo was taken, and I was trying to remember what I was thinking in that moment. And of course, I was thinking about our life together. And, and I think about what God has done over the last 20 years, of the children he's blessed me with, of the, the life that we have here together in Bentonville, and and just the way the story of our life has unfolded, if you'd, if you'd whatever, whatever dreams that 22-year-old kid had when he uh, was about to marry uh, Lauren Runyon, uh, God has exceeded those. God, God, has, God, has, God has fulfilled those dreams plus so many more. And I just had a moment to ponder and to treasure those things in my heart. And those are all made possible because of this light that has come into the world. The light has come into the world and the darkness will not overcome it. And so we treasure those things. But friends, there's a lot of folks here in the room and, and you've, you've done a little bit more living than I have. And you know this more acutely than I do today. And that is this, that our life is fleeting and temporary, and time is moving quickly. 
And as wonderful as these treasures are, they're here for a moment. And, and, and then the, the time has passed. Scripture says life is but a vapor. And I would love to take these memories and these, these moments that, that I have. I wish I could take them and treasure them, ponder them and treasure them and lock them away in my heart. And I wish there was no expiration date on them. I wish I could reach in and, and recreate them at any moment. But, but Christmas 2021 is over. And by God's grace and by God's will, I, I hope that we'll settle down, you know, we'll sit down and celebrate Christmas 2022. It's 364 days away, in case you're keeping count. By God's grace and by God's strength, I, I hope to do that. But Scripture reminds me that life is fleeting. Life is but a vapor. And we can't recreate these moments as much as we would like to. And so I think about the treasures that Mary put in her heart, the things that she pondered, and I'm reminded of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul's talking about the gospel. Paul's talking about this good news that the light of the world has come, and he is saying this treasure that we have been given, these blessings that we have been given, they come to us not in vessels that are eternal, but in vessels that are temporary. These vessels, our bodies, they are jars of clay. We have use of them for a season, but they are temporary. We are fragile. But God pours his blessings into these jars of clay. And that snapped into focus for me as I thought about our Christmas Eve service. And, and, and the Christmas Eve service gave me a chance to just reflect upon the year that 2021 has been. And, and, and I counted, I, I personally greeted five people at our Christmas Eve service. And all five of those people were experiencing their first Christmas without their spouse. And, 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 and we said goodbye to those friends in 2021. And I remember conducting those funerals. And I remember walking through those seasons of loss and grief with those families. I, I don't know that we've ever had a year like that. I don't know that we've ever had a Christmas Eve service where like, just I was able to very quickly count five people who were experiencing that moment for the first time without their spouse. And it was uh, another reminder that these blessings, this treasure that we have, it comes in jars of clay. Our lives are temporary. They're, they're fleeting. Hmm. And you know, Mary... Mary knew what it was like to experience the blessing of God in jars of clay as well. Think about the life that she lived. Think about her watching her baby boy grow up. Luke also tells us this scene in the temple where he's teaching the teachers of the law and he's 12 years old. She knew there was something special about this baby boy. She attended a wedding with him and they ran out of wine. You remember this story? 
And she said to the master of the banquet, look, I don't know what the answer is. I'm just telling you, I love this line, do whatever he tells you to do. And then Jesus says, woman, you call your mom woman? Like, you're, you're, you're pretty bold, but I mean, he was Jesus. Woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. And that's when she delivers the line. Look, just do whatever he tells you to do. Jesus changes the water into wine. And so she saw Jesus heal. She saw Jesus perform miracles. And every time something like that happened, another blessing, another treasure was put into her jar of clay. And she pondered it. And she treasured it in her heart. And she thought about this story that had a claim on her life, this this the story that she was a part of and the role that she played in the story. And then one day she saw her baby boy stretch out his arms and die on a cross and die for the sins of the world and display by his sacrificial death just how much God loved the world. But I'm so thankful that's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. But can you imagine in that moment, as as Mary watches her son suffer and die on a cross, and I believe that what she said to the angel when he first said, hey, you're going to have a baby, this baby's going to save the world, I believe she said this to the Lord, okay, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. I don't want to be here. I don't want to watch my son die, but I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Every step of the way, she trusted God. Every step of the way, she put her hope and her trust in God. (laughs) I'm so glad the story doesn't end there. It climaxes with Christ's glorious resurrection, a moment that Mary was also a witness to. And so because of what Jesus has done, here's the hope that we have. Those of us that receive this treasure in jars of clay, we also have the hope of resurrection. And Paul goes on to say in that same passage, 2 Corinthians 4.18, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so friends... Maybe yesterday you had one of those quintessential Christmas moments. Everything was right, everything was good, and you took those moments and you put them in your jar of clay and you treasured them. But but maybe you had a very different experience. Maybe it was your first Christmas without your spouse. Maybe it was your first Christmas without a loved one who was very special to you. Maybe it was... Another Christmas where the kids didn't come home or they didn't call. What I'm telling you is that our hope is in Christ, that the light of the world has come. And because the light of the world has come, the darkness cannot overcome this light. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen. We fix our eyes on that which is eternal. We fix our eyes on this hope of the resurrection. And this hope of the resurrection says that the worst thing is never the last thing. 
that God is about the business of renewing and restoring creation. And so we long and we wait and we hope. And even when things don't go the way we want them to, even when God doesn't rush in and fix everything, friend, we have this hope. We have this treasure And even though it's in a jar of clay, one day that jar of clay will be renewed and restored and will be eternal, just as Christ's body is resurrected and restored. This is the hope of Christmas. And it really snapped into focus for me six Decembers ago. My dad died in December of 2015. And I've, I've told you guys the story of, of that moment, but there's something about losing a loved one in December at Christmas time. There's all of these signs and there's all of these things around you that are supposed to make you happy and merry and bright. And you're just going through grief and you're just going through loss. And there's this dissonance that, that happens. But I, I, I flew up and I met my mom and we met with the funeral home and we, we made plans for his memorial service. And so it was just me and my mom and my brother. And we got done with that and it was, it was getting dark and we had more food at the house than we could possibly eat in three lifetimes. Um, <laughs> so, um, which, and we were thankful for that. Um, but we, we just said, what do, what do you want to do? Let's go look at Christmas lights. <laughs> okay, let's go look at Christmas lights. So we hopped in the car and we began to look at Christmas lights uh, around her neighborhood. And it gave us an opportunity to talk and to reflect on things. The, there was one neighbor in the neighborhood who had really outdone himself. Lights everywhere, nativity scenes, everything. It was really special and so we said, oh, let's, let's just check this out for a little bit. And so we, we pulled in and, and we, we rolled the windows down and they had some music playing. And I, I, I kid you not, um, as soon as we rolled the window down, Hark the Herald Angels Sing was playing. And it wasn't just the first verse, the one we're probably the most familiar with. It was the third verse. The third verse of Hark the Herald Angels sing was playing and the first lyric that i was able to discern was this it's in the middle of the stanza and i feel as if it was god speaking directly to us light and life to all he brings risen with healing in his wings Mild he lays his glory by, born that we no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Born that we no more may die. Isn't that an awesome line? Isn't that an awesome hope? 
especially for, for those of us who receive these treasures in jars of clay. We receive them knowing that we can't hold on to them forever. But in Christ, in, in Christ we have hope. In Christ we have a future. In Christ we're able to gather here on this second Sunday, or first Sunday of Christmas and say, let's fix our eyes on that which is eternal. I know you've got a lot of things in your jar of clay this morning. I know, God, I know you had a great time with your family and you take those treasures and you, you put them in your jar of clay. But, but more than those moments, let's fix our eyes on that which is eternal. Let's fix our eyes on this hope that is available to us in Christ. 